2: a family-owned business since 1934. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives.
1: Hello everybody and welcome to the show made possible by our friends at Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. Today our summer series continues as we look back over some of our favourite episodes of 2023. This morning we are revisiting our chat with one of our favourites here at SEN. Corey Homicide Williams. We spoke to Corey before he was diagnosed with cancer and everyone here is sending our love to Corey and his family. Corey Williams won a place in the hearts of all Aussie basketball fans with his four seasons in the NBL that netted him MVP honours. But it was on the New York streetball circuit that Homicide was born and a legend was truly made. Corey Homicide Williams, welcome. Thanks for your time. Thanks for having me. Happy Friday. I better get comfortable here because there's a lot to get to. In fact, I was reluctant to even have a stab at how many leagues you've played in because you have been everywhere.
0: Yeah. Um the game has definitely allowed me to be everywhere. It's awesome. <laughs> um it's made me a, a well rounded individual. I'm truly grateful for this journey. Uh I'm on my third passport. Yeah, it's been it's been one hell of a run.
1: You're a familiar name and a familiar voice for listeners right across the SEN network. And Aussie basketball fans, of course, is the voice of the NBL. But, you know, your Pro ball days ended in, what, 2016. So for those unfamiliar, what are you up to these days? Because you have been busy. Sh- should we start with fatherhood for the second time?
0: Uh, that just started three months ago. Let's, let's get back to from 2016. Roger. So I had an incredible opportunity to a commentator for the NBL. So I essentially retired leaving the game, following up this opportunity to transition for life after the game. So uh, I call it the great escape because a lot of athletes never know when when they should leave. That's a dilemma. We've done one thing well pretty much the majority of our lives. So most of us don't know how to let go, when to let go. And if we are to let go, what are we letting go for? And then what are we heading towards? So... I'm very grateful. I, you will hear me say grateful a lot, but I'm truly grateful that I I recognized an opportunity that I felt I was tailor-made for. I talk, I, that's all I do. I'm a New Yorker. Like, we talk a lot. So, this was I couldn't dream of an opportunity better leaving the game to do professionally. Mm then commentate basketball. So this is why I've been here. This season six just finished. Um, I finished playing 2016, 2017. I started here. Six years later, 2023, here we are.
1: That's awesome. You're made for it. And what about fatherhood? So is it, you know, now that you've done it all before, you're doing it again, does it come back to you like riding a bike?
0: Um, it does, to be honest with you. Um, very, very thankful for my partner she's she's as cool as the other side of the pillow like she's as cool as they come and she got to be cool if she's gonna keep up with me right deal with well, I didn't crazy wanna sign behind, yeah. right um gabby's incredible she's three months old um she's she sleeps throughout the night so she you know she's pretty good in the day she got a little bit fussy ever since hitting three months a week ago but uh I'll take it. Yeah. You know, it's it's really been rewarding and great. You know, I have my older daughter, Isabella. She's year two in uni, playing volleyball in America, living in... I got a 20-year-old living on the Upper East Side in Manhattan, playing volleyball, living in Midtown. Do you know what that... That is the dream yep. for any... She don't got no job. <laughs> like, Dad, whatever you need, kid, I got you. Live in the loft. Enjoy the experience. And get the grades and uh you know I, i'm blessed
1: i'm blessed you mentioned new york can I can i just ask what might be considered a ludicrous question particularly for those unfamiliar with the street ball scene back in the u.s but would you say that you're better known for your feats on the court or the playground the playground if it wasn't for the playground i wouldn't be here
0: more more people know homicide than Corey williams
1: so i typed most famous streetball players into wikipedia yeah, there's Kevin Business Butler, Brandon the Assassin Durham, Philip, Hot Sauce Champion, Rafe has skipped to my Lou Alston, the list goes on, including Corey Homicide-Williams, sitting proudly right amongst them all. Yo, man, listen, I, I, I could
0: tell you, grateful. Um, I graduated, I have two degrees, and uh, once I left school, I didn't have a big name or reputation. I went and played Division One college ball and started and just didn't have the pedigree at that level to get an opportunity to the next level. If you don't have that pedigree, you're not going to get an agent who you need at that level to get you an opportunity to the next level. I'm not getting drafted, so my coach isn't helping me. What do I have? Lucky for me, I was from New York City, the, the Mecca of basketball. And we have something called Street and that platform. I wouldn't be here. I got a shot directly to the NBA from Streetball.
1: That's amazing. That never happened before me. Incredible, isn't it? I I want to come back to that in a moment. In fact, let's rewind 45 years and about 45 million life experiences ago to August 3, 1977, Bronx, New York, you enter the world. What are your overriding memories of childhood?
0: Well, um, my father died when I was three. Um, My mother had myself and my brother and... We, we grew up in the South Bronx, and the Bronx is no joke. That's the armpit of New York City. That's the worst borough you would ever want to be from. And I'm in the worst section of the worst borough. You just don't go there. It was really, really tough. That's when landlords and building owners would burn down uh, the buildings for insurance money. So, like, one building next—it looked like Beirut. You know, it looked like a war-torn country, this borough. You wouldn't go there if you weren't from there. And living amongst it, we lived in a house with love. So, you know, there's a lot of drugs. There's a lot of just bad things happening. Lack of resources, lack of education. People have their backs against the wall. So I don't ever, it is unfair to judge anybody because you don't know what you would do if your back's against the wall and your children have to eat and rent's due. They're not hiring you because you're black or Latino. The education system is horrible. You don't have any money for college. What are you supposed to do? So people do bad things to survive because that's what you're doing. You're not living. You are surviving. My mother was a nurse, bust her ass, and protected her children. Thank God my brother um, was tall, so he had an opportunity to play ball, and exposure leads to expansion regardless of what level of exposure you're getting. You see more, you understand more. You want to do more. You aspire to be more. And that's what basketball did for us. And in the community where we're from, they protected us because we represented our community. We're going out here in the world, and we're going to Manhattan, we're going to Queens, and we're representing our neighborhood. So the, I guess the hustlers, the criminals mm-hmm. from our neighborhood, they're like, look, this ain't for y'all. Just play ball and just keep doing that. So we had like... I don't know. I guess a bubble that protected us within our community that did not allow us to do the negative things that we were around and surrounded. I think that's the best way I could tell you because, mm-hmm. like, it's real where I'm from. It, 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 People don't make it out of it.
1: You were born Carrie
0: Williams. My government name is Carrie. You ha- You grew to hate that. I right? hated it because I'm, we're Jamaican, right? My whole family's from Jamaica. So they all came up from Jamaica. So we have... You know how it is, man. You're an immigrant coming from—I'm born in New York, in the Bronx, but we, we grew up our culture. So my the way we pronounce my name is Carrie, but in school they were pronouncing it as Carrie. And I'm like, listen, my name is Carrie. they like, Carrie, Carrie, car- Carrie, my bags, da 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 So I'm like, from kindergarten mm. all the way to fifth grade, you're in elementary school which is primary school. Then 6th to 8th grade, you're in middle school. Then ninth to 12th, you're in high school. So the whole primary school, I'm getting this carry, carry, carry. Look, you cannot correct a whole school, <laughs> right? It gets tiring, right? Mm. So then once I left there and you go to middle school, you actually go to a different section. So you're dealing with a whole different group of kids.
1: So on day one there. Day one, the yeah. teachers
0: did, did roll call. Carrie Williams, I said there's been a mistake. <laughs> it's Corey. Changed yep. the A to a O. Done. It's been Corey ever since. Done.
2: How
1: good. So <laughs> as you touched on, I mean you fall in love with the street ball version of the game. It's toughness, it's flow. Were you in love with school just as much?
0: Yeah, um the thing the thing was this. Um street ball was something that I felt I could reach out and touch. We couldn't afford Knicks tickets, so you get again the mecca of basketball mm. is New York. So you're seeing all types of talented players playing outdoor basketball. So you would be more attracted to them than a Nick, mm. than a Jordan. That's just what it was in New York. There's so much talent in that city, and you can go to the park for free. You get there early enough because if there's talented players, that park is packed. I remember when I well I. This is where my life really changed, the first part of my life. My grades were bad in middle school, and that's when they would grade you based on your behavior if your grades weren't just A's and B's. If you're borderline CDF, they're going to say, how well are you behaving, which will give you the benefit of the doubt. But for me, I was a class clown, and it was read all the way across, D's and F. A A lot of the schools in high school did not accept me based off of my transcript. Fair enough. My mother took me to an all-boys Catholic school and sat me down with this dean. And the dean looked at my transcript and said to my mother, we cannot allow your son to come in. He will fail. Look at his transcript. There's no way he'll be able to keep up academically. There's no way. My mother begged the dean, please let my son in. This ain't free. This is tuition being paid. Mm. All-boys Catholic school in Harlem. He said, here's what we'll do. First semester, we'll allow him to come in. At the end of first semester, if his grades aren't where they need to be, He has to leave the school. She said, done. We walked out of there, and I had an 80 average, which is a B average ever since. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't about discipline. It was just I needed, it wasn't about academically if I was able to keep up. It was the fact that I lacked discipline, and I needed discipline and structure. That that, Little did I know, that was the number one high school in basketball in America. So if I love basketball, and all I got to do is do what? Keep these grades right to be amongst the best in America, I'm doing that. And that's exactly what I did, and I got better. And that's Rice High School, and it was in Harlem, which is one of the most stylish places, not only in New York City, but in the world. All the swag, all the game, all the energy, all the talk. Everything you need to evolve was
1: not at school. What a great slotting doors moment from your mom. You're listening to This Is Your Journey. It's thanks to Tobin Brothers, a family-owned business since 1934. We will continue to work
2: our way through Corey Williams' incredible journey. You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund for Tobin Brothers Funerals, a family-owned business since 1934. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives.
1: Hello, it's great to have your company on This Is Your Journey. It's made possible by Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. We're with former pro basketballer, NBL MVP and NBL commentator Corey Homicide-Williams. So, Corey, you're a late bloomer, as they say, post-high school, so no scholarship offers waiting for you. You went to that junior college in Kansas City before joining Alabama State. Did you enjoy the college scene? I think there was some success there, or was just the college system not quite for you?
0: This is the hard route, and the harder things... You get given to you, however it comes to you early, the more you appreciate things. When things are easily given to you, you don't appreciate mm. things. Later, I had to go to junior college. I got a scholarship offer. Junior college is a two-year uni. Penn Valley Community College. Best thing that ever happened to me. I wasn't ready for Division One. I didn't add value. That's the name of the game in life. If you don't add value, no one's using you. That's the reality. You're going to go sit on the bench. That's what you want to do? That's not what I want to do. So you got two years to prove you are good enough and you can add value to join a four-year university. Mm. It's up to you what you're going to do with it. That's, that's, that's it. That's what happens when you're not that talented at a young age. You got to deal with that. No bitching or complaining is going to change it because ain't nobody coming to save you. Oh, well, if I got to go to Kansas City, that's what I got to do. Shipped off, packed my stuff. Wasn't a lot of stuff to pack. Packed my stuff, jumped on a flight, off to Kansas City. Year one, in the weight room, getting right. All I'm doing is remembering the guys in that number one high school in the nation that I left. They were all better than me. All four-year university offers, starting, scholarship, big universities. I let that sink in my head, and I told them before I left that school, you might be better than me now, but I promise you, I'm gonna catch you later, mm. and I'm gonna bust all y'all on y'all asses. <laughs> and they did exactly that. They laughed at me because you can't fathom yeah. a guy not nowhere near as good as you telling you this, and you believe it. It's like Dylan Brooks talking shit to LeBron. You get me? It's like, how dare this guy say this? Who this guy is? Who does this guy think he is? This is LeBron. You get what I mean? That I, I had that type of mentality, so I knew I had to put the work in. I had a no plan B mentality. I wouldn't stop. I wouldn't take no for an answer. I had the I'll prove you wrong mentality. Go to Juco. First year, no playing time. None. We win the championship. The guy in front of me was all American. What could I say? Couldn't do nothing. The head coach leaves, gets a better job. The new coach comes in and says, Get ready. This is going to be your team next year. Opportunity. It's all I needed. That whole offseason, It right. Come back. I wrote a list down of everything I wanted to accomplish. I wanted to be all American. I wanted the league, the region, and scoring. I wanted to be top five uh, everything, pretty much in the region. I wanted to be the man on my team. I wanted to win a championship again. Go back to back. But I led it. We lost in the championship Mm. game at Juco. Lost at the buzzer at that. From there. Graduated, got my associate's in arts degree, off to Alabama State. Wrote a list down again. Junior year, average 16. Senior year, I'm like, all I got to do is average 20. I should be good enough to get a good agent and get a, he'll get me a shot into these combines. Our season all went to shit. The coach said, man, I might as well get the young cats ready. Tanked all year, just was like, set the seniors down. We barely played and played the underclassmen. That's how I finished uni. Got my college degree. What was it criminal justice? Criminal justice. Was that, for your, mom?
1: Was that for your mom?
0: Nah, um, she was a nurse, right? I got my degree in criminal justice because of my environment. I didn't want to work in the system, per se. I didn't want to be a lawyer. I didn't want to be a cop. Um, I didn't want to work in prisons because I felt like it desensitized yeah. you to uh, humans. But what I wanted to specialize in, which is what I did, was juvenile justice. And the reason being is that's something I'm truly passionate about till this day. Basketball saved my life. Everybody don't play ball, right? Everybody's not an athlete. So at that age, 12 to 21, one mistake can alter your life. One mistake can alter your life. So I felt like because I went through that and I'm one of the lucky ones, in our school systems, in these poor communities, there's nobody that looks like us teaching us. So you can come in, A white teacher could come into a black, predominantly black school, tell me the right thing, but it won't relate because I'm looking at you like Mm. you don't live where I live. Mm. You don't really care about me. I can't identify with you. It's not going to work. So I always felt like I needed to be that person to help the community. I can't help the whole world. I'm not trying to help the whole world, but I can help save some. That's why I specialize in juvenile justice, because I really wanted to get to those kids 12 to 21 and just let them know, man, you don't need to do negativity. You do negative shit, negative things are going to happen. It's pointless. Yeah, You're going to go to jail. You're going to get labeled. No one's going to hire you. You're fucked. You need somebody that look like you that escaped there to come back to tell you. Yep. That's why I got that
1: degree. So you walk out of there with it. Was there a year with the Harlem Globetrotters? I'm
0: going to tell you what happened. So I graduate 2000, come back on the, in New York City. Everybody remembers the guy from high school. I'm not that guy anymore. My body's way developed. I got a chip on my shoulder, and I'm ready to live up to everything I said when I left that high school. I'm going to catch you all, and I'm going to bust all y'all on your ass. Did you return I, with a hit list of sorts? I had a hit list. Correct. So when sh- now it's street ball time because I got nothing else. I got to go back to my neighborhood in my mother's house that I left out of there about four or five years ago because I've been away at school, right? The last thing I really want to do is be back in my neighborhood in my mother's house. Mm. I done seen too much to go back. So I'm on the streetball scene, and my whole idea is, well, I guess I got to go to the— I'm going to get a shot to the NBA by killing in streetball. It's never happened before. That's how naive I actually was to actually believe I could do this delusional go back to new york city i get opportunity to get on teams 30 points in this part 40 in this part 30 in this part. i'm the the minimum i'm leaving a game
1: scoring now just hang is on it's 30 yeah your mentality at this time so you've spent the last four years worrying about championships about teamwork about you know um not turning the ball over even miss shots this this is scoring and not only scoring but scoring with style and uh, not scoring on chumps but dropping them on the most respected guys, like your whole mentality had to shift.
0: I mean, um, my whole mentality, like back in those days, it was like if you're not dr- averaging at least 20 on any level, you're worthless. Did no they- one cares about the guy averaging yeah. 16, 5, and 7. That ain't getting you money. That ain't getting you paid. That ain't getting you a look. Remember, I don't. Ha- I have little room for error, so I have to be exceptional to get a look. So I can't afford to get 16, 6 and 3. That's that, that's the super talented guys that could take nights off. I got to go super hard all the time and I'm like, "Yo, listen, I'm going to just score a lot of points to get attention. Then if you really start feeling me, I can show you other facets of my game, but you got to do what you can do best." And that for me at that point,
1: it was scoring. Yep. So the nicknames, how do you get one?
0: Based on your style of play, they'll give you a name. Because if you suck, they're gonna give you a name that <laughs> matches your skill set and so, how you're playing or lack of skills.
1: Just how did you get yours? Because it happened quickly, didn't it?
0: Yeah, it happened. Um, I played at Rucker Park, and my first game, I had 37 something crazy. And as the game, they didn't know who I was, right? No, how would you? How would you? You don't know me. No one knew me. So it's like a a guy that just shows up and he's just scoring every kind of way three. Layup, left hand, right hand, dunk, mid range off the glass, mid range on the elbow. I was giving them the business, and they just the name kept getting harder as I kept scoring. <laughs> yeah. So it was like the hard worker. Who is this guy? The, the, the commentators at, at Rucker Park, they like, we got to give this guy a name. The killer, the murderer. What's his name? They like Corey. They was like C Murder. It's like nah, that somebody got that name. Then somebody was like. C homicide. They was like, ah, we like that. We're gonna go with that. C homicide. Then the following week, I played against the defending champs. They were back to back defend back to back champs. I gave them forty. They dropped a C. It was homicide since. That's two thousand.
1: So homicide it is. And you're starting to get yourself noticed by leagues around the world, aren't you? So you'd been in- Stockholm in the spring, Rucker Park in the summer, Brazil in the fall, Darkman in the winter for a while. That's a crazy laugh. So check this. I'm going to
0: tell you what you asked me about 10 minutes ago. I'm just warming this thing up so you can understand how I got to the point I'm about to get to. So killing in a park, and nothing, nothing great is going to happen one time. Anybody could do something great once. So that just kind of like got my name out there on the New York City circuit. And there was a coach, two legendary coaches in the park. Uh, God bless his soul, man, Sid Jones and my man James Ryan. And people were telling me, like, these guys, these coaches can help you. And somehow I got to Sid Jones, and I was just like, listen, I just need help, man. I just came out of school. I got nothing. Anything you can help me with, I'll be more than appreciative. Anything. I don't care. I just can't be home. He was like, I got something for you, but I want you to play with me in this one tournament. I said, no problem. He said, come to the game. Let's say the game was tomorrow. He said, come tomorrow. I said, cool. So I'm like, yes. I got somebody who I think could help change my life. I come to the game. Played like shit. I was so nervous. That was my first time ever really saying, like, I was so nervous and, like, I played bad. I had about 16 points. Remember, I tell you, that's bullshit 16. 16 ain't getting you no money. Or no success. That ain't that ain't it. Not in the position I was in. And not based off what he's been hearing about me. He was like, don't worry about it. Yo, you owe me two. You know, most people be like, you owe me one. He was like, you owe me two. I said, no problem. Let's say that was Tuesday. Friday, I play against him in a tournament. 54. He was like, we even. We good. <laughs> so then... Last point before we go to a break, Uh if we have to. Yes. Good time management, boy. He he said, I got something for you, but it ain't basketball. I said, I'll take whatever. I'll take whatever you send me, as long as I'm not home. He said, I got a job with you now. New York Nationals, that's the team that play against the Globetrotters. So I was never a Globetrotter. I was on the tour playing for the team that lost
1: to the Globetrotters every game. Yeah, that's not... Let's take a break from there. <laughs> Where we would call me Homicide Williams? He's running the show in here. And it's this is your Ooh. journey thanks to Tobin Brothers Funeral Celebrating Lives. We'll be right back. We'll, we'll be back when Corey tells us to come back
2: after this. You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives.
1: Hello, we hope you're enjoying this week's edition of This Is Your Journey. We're with Streetball King, former NBL MVP turned commentator, Corey Homicide-Williams. So, Corey, the coming-of-age game, or games as you've just touched on before the break, but the big one was the EBC tournament, the Entertainer's Basketball Classic you came up against a name listeners will know, the artist formerly known as Ron Artest.
0: Yeah. um, The biggest streetball tournament in the 2000s was Rucker, which is EBC, right? It was on NBA TV. Um, If you were an NBA player wanting to strengthen your street credibility, you had to play in this park. What's awesome about this tournament is it's New York, man. We don't care where you're from. We don't care what your rep is in the NBA, do it in the park. We don't care. That's New York mentality anyway. So during those 2000s, I I had a really good run. I reigned supreme for a while in streetball. But me busting another streetball players behind, that's supposed to happen. Your real reputation steps up when you play against an elite NBA player. I done played against NBA players plenty of times in the park, 20, 30. Don't mean shit because this is a guy that's not even having a real impact even though he's in the NBA. Do it against a starter. Matter of fact, do it against a defensive player of the year, and that's the biggest matchup I ever had in my life till this day. How many? 27. On Ron Artest, the year he got defensive player of the year, which was uh, 2004, I believe, 2005. So so this gets
1: the attention of the Toronto Raptors. Now, you mentioned you were naive and maybe delusional, but it turns out you weren't. So training camp of 2005 up in Canada. Now, educate me. Um, The the playgrounds of New York are a long way from the NBA. So was it unusual or was it completely unprecedented? Um,
0: It was a dream come true. You gotta remember that how it began for me, right? I just said before the break what the first job was. So now I get an opportunity through street ball to live my dream, right? Get a get a deal in the NBA with Toronto. Toronto assistant coach came to watch me. Jim Todd. Jim Todd. He came to watch me at Dykeman at another tournament because they everybody heard about this game, and then they got they. Sent him down. He came to watch me. And the game he watched me, I had 27 at half. And it was single coverage. Usually teams double team me. I know God was with me that day because God had him at the game. And the one of the best defensive teams mm. in the tournament guard me single coverage. 27 at half. Second half, they double team me. Me understanding if I get a shot to play in the NBA, I'm going to be a third string player at the point guard position. So I don't need to show him I could score on double teams. I need to show him I could make the right play when the doubles come. I only scored two baskets in the second half. He comes to me at the end of the game. We lose, he said, which I knew he was going to say this. You know what I liked about your game today? I said, what, coach? He said, your ability to recognize the open man when they double you. Mm. Good game,
1: kid. I'll be in touch. So you get up to the Raptors. You make it to the final cut there. I made now, it to the final cut. You, you played for the Pacers and the Warriors in the Summer League, yep. signed briefly with the Nuggets, I think. Yeah. Looking at it now, is there any level of regret there you couldn't quite get over the hump, or do you maintain a perspective of this is where I've come from and that word again, gratitude? I mean, how do you look back on your near miss, if I can call it that, with the NBA?
0: Well, um, there, was, there was one thing that made it, a near miss. They had a point guard named Alvin Williams. I'll tell you how I didn't make the Raptors. They had a point guard who was signed under contract with like maybe two or three years left who was injured the last year and a half. His name was Alvin Williams. They brought in three point guards, myself, an NBA vet, Robert Pack, and another young talent and talented NBA point guard named Tia Brown. I beat them out. So it's me there, right? So already that's a win because I actually beat out two NBA legitimate mm. guards, right? The guy from the park, so to so to say, right? Alvin Williams, the doctor said he could still play, even though he was injured. They said they, they cleared him to play. If the doctors did not clear him, I get the full-time role. That's how it worked. So how could I be bitter about that when I know it mm. was only because the doctor said he was able to play? I beat out my... I, if I was the first cut, I'd be like, damn, I'd be down. But, like, you, anybody, you, 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 you can't. There's nothing more I could have done in that situation yeah. because that was out of my hands. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I was just like, listen, man, like, I got here, and on top of it, it's on my resume. Now I can get an agent. See, see, when you're trying to get overseas and you have NBA training camp, eight preseason games next to you, you got the label on you, NBA. You become more valuable and more attractive when it's time for the agent to shop you, to get a job abroad, right? Okay, that's a win. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like if you have that perspective.
1: That serves you well. I'm playing with the house money with everything I'm doing. So that house money, (laughs) house money takes you to Lebanon, Germany, China, Puerto Rico, Venezuela, Venezuela. And, and the reason you're sitting here, Australia. So how did it come to be at the age of 30 that you'd sign for the Townsville Crocodiles? Now, I said Toronto was a long way away from Rucker Park. The Townsville Crocs are a long way from Rucker Park.
0: Yeah, it is. Um, um, I did Summer League. Well, after Toronto, um, I went to, I think, Germany briefly. And then I went back to the minor leagues, which is what they call the G League now. I went to the CBA. Um, we lost in the championship, and I uh, I was the second-best point guard in the league. I was trying to get a 10-day contract. Didn't happen. Go to summer league with uh, Indiana. Then after that, I went to Denver for, for training camp, right? Got waived. Went to France. Then from there, went back to the minor league, South Dakota. Won the championship. Then went to summer league with Golden State. At this point, I'm like getting too old now to try to chase NBA. But look at all those things I just named. In and out. Mm. All on the fence. The resume is stronger. More experience. I get an opportunity to come to Townsville. So this is how a lot of talented players mess up. A lot of players mess up. They'll get an agent. The agent will just try to ship you to where they can get the most money because their commission is going to be the highest versus – I'm going to put you in a place where your skill set would be great. Because mm. certain leagues my skill set isn't great in. Certain leagues my skill set is better in. Australia was a league where it's run and gun. West Coast offense, if you're playing in the NBA. And I hit the ground running. I come here, it's a beautiful country. It's summertime here. The league fits my style of play. First five games. After the fifth game, Townsville is like, we want to give you a two-year extension. I've never heard that before in my life. I'm like, this is the country where I need to be. I can get longevity. I can build a fan base. Plus, with streetball, like, I'm – I hate to use this word, but, like, I have some sort of global fame because streetball is huge. So, people know – they know Homicide before they know Corey Williams. Right. Like, I had my own sneaker deal, balling in the NBL, yeah. getting MVP to the league. Balling in my own sneaker, sold in Foot Locker Global as
1: MVP the league. You win the MVP. So, there's a kid from the Bronx, who so you only made your varsity B team in high school. You're now the best player in a pro league. I'm oh, just interested to know – Culturally in Townsville, how did it hit you, well, or, or did your world travels prepare you for? My world
0: travels prepared me yeah. for it, but more important, like that's a town where people are look down on people in Townsville, and like they're underdogs. So I was an underdog, and I fit the persona, and it was a match made in heaven because we basically to everybody else we was just like fuck y'all, straight like that. So that was the persona that our team had, and I was at the front with that. Y'all don't worry about this. Let me do the talking. Y'all play. Let's go. And my three years there, my first year, I came in late. But my second and my third year, we were one game away from the grand final. We lost game three on the road in the semis to the, to clinch the grand final. Now, that's a win. We overachieved with that team. You understand what I mean? So with that, I built a fan base, and I was
1: kind of controversial, but— uh. It was all in good sport. You're listening to This Is Your Journey. It's all thanks to Tobin Brothers Funerals, Celebrating Lives. We'll be back with Homicide. Corey Williams right after this.
2: You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, Celebrating Lives. You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives.
1: It's been great to have your company here on This Is Your Journey. Thanks to Tobin Brothers Funerals, a family-owned business since 1934. And our guest today has been former basketball star Corey Homicide-Williams. Corey, so the three years at Townsville were a success. Your last season there, you're the most valuable player in the league. what led to your departure from the Crocs?
0: I think uh, my contract was up, and I think that it was just both time for me to really see one. After getting MVP of the league, I wanted to try my hand at high-level Europe. I always wanted to play League. I always wanted to play—like, my goal was to play in, like, Italy, Spain, Greece, right? And I knew once you get MVP of a league, you know you could, you dominated the league, so you can always get a job in this country. That was, like, the biggest reason. Like, I wanted to go my way, and I know that um, Townsville wanted to go their way. You know what I mean? Three years of Corey Williams in Townsville, they're like, look, we love you, Corey. Towns not big enough. But town, Towns, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I left. I went to Greece and then didn't get
1: paid. Yeah, what happened there?
0: So that's a problem. Um, yeah. <laughs> but you're there for a few months maybe only? I, I didn't stay that long because I wasn't going to allow them to just – what Keep doing me that, right. like that. I mean, basically, how the, how we set up the contract is: after we pass the physical, after I pass the physical, as soon as I land, you give me a physical, yeah. make sure I'm, you know I'm good to go. I get ten percent of my salary up, and they didn't pay it. I said I'm gonna give them two weeks. If I play in Greece for a couple of months, I put up some good stats. Everybody knows Greece don't pay you, so if you leave for financial reasons, at least I showed enough mm. uh, games. For that club, that I was um, efficient and productive, I could get another job high level Europe. But they jerked me early, and apparently the the country was broke, so I left after two weeks. And then I came back and signed with Melbourne Tigers.
1: Just the season at Melbourne?
0: Just one season at Melbourne. Um, they went. They had fired the head coach, and it the guy that they brought in did not like me. Per- personality issue. Yeah, it was uh it wasn't gonna work because the coach that they brought in was my old coach in Townsville so it's kind of like you got this roller coaster marriage y'all break up and then the the you got a chance to come to a club where your ex is at you mm-hmm. like listen we're not doing this again mm-hmm. <laughs> That's so I only know. had a one-year deal anyway at Melbourne. Yeah, and that was it. That was
1: uh, that was it. So now as you sit here behind the microphone and, and, and you call games and you analyze the games and you take an, an umbrella view or a bird's-eye view of the game, I mean, how would you describe the state of the sport in this country and the way, as an outsider anyway, the way the NBL has been revitalized has been staggering?
0: I mean, it is fantastic. Um, Shout-out to Larry Kesselman, the visionary. The Don is what I call him. Um, Humble man, a hardworking man who had a vision and knew that this country had an appetite for the game, didn't want to see it die, put a team together and, you know, executed. And it's great to see where the game is at and there's still opportunity to grow and the future's bright for basketball in this country. I
1: mean, my so when I was younger and growing up and I was NBA mad, you could count the amount of Australian NBA players on one hand. In, In fact, for a while, on one finger. Yeah. And now... They're pouring in there.
0: Yeah, they're in the playoffs doing well. And um, you know, Josh Giddy, you know, one point before, you know, obviously a little bit of turmoil. Ben Simmons, uh, Jock Landale is there, Joe Ingles, Patty Mills, Bogut, Delhi, like you mm. got championship winning, you know, Aussies. So uh it's great to see um the talent actually be able to transition and be factors. I didn't name players a while ago that are bench warmers. These are guys that are contributing factors to their team's success. So it's, it's a great look. And a lot of yeah. them have played in the league, in the NBL, they played in AIS, they've gone to uni. So the game is healthy. In Australia, on all cylinders.
1: Tokyo Olympics. I mean, as an Australian, I'm not sure there was a more emotional moment than when the boomers finally broke through for that bronze medal after so much heartache. Four times finishing fourth, we know the story. A watershed moment. gazy's tears. Patty Mills speaking about bringing it home to hang up at mum and dad's place. It was awesome. So Paris 24. Hopefully everyone fit, healthy, available. It's a good-looking squad on paper, though, isn't it?
0: It's more than a good-looking squad. There's some some of these talented Aussies aren't going to make that squad, you know. Move over, point guards. Josh Giddey's here. <laughs> mm. I'll tell you right now, you know. So um, there's that's a great problem to have. I don't think Australia's ever had this much talent on a team where uh, the game's probably at its best at the moment, and they have so much talent to choose from at multiple positions. So uh, that's a great look. I was at Tokyo commentating 3X3. Um, 3X3 right now is uh, a mm. cross between streetball and a pro. And I had the pleasure of commentating games over there as well. So I'll be there in Paris with that. But, um, yeah, the game's
1: in great shape and the boom is loaded. How often do you get home? I mean, you've made Australia home. How often do you get back to the original home? Uh, July. I
0: go for two months. Right. No doubt. I got to touch the town. Yeah. Got to recharge
1: you know, get back to the roots. So someone is, I'm interested to know before we finish up, as someone as well-traveled as you with so many experiences in so many different cultures, I mean, what's your advice to young people coming through? I mean, your philosophies in life, if you like, and this comes back to your qualifications and your degree, is it to take every opportunity to have that sense of adventure, regardless if it's basketball or not, sport or not, whatever the pursuit or ambition for people listening this morning, who goodness knows what they're doing, is it to take every opportunity, seize the moment?
0: I think it's, um, Get educated. um, Have productive and well rounded friends. Don't listen to naysayers. It's okay to have fear, but have courage. And um, whatever you are, and so many people say this, but it's so true whatever you sought out to do, do it. It's okay if you fail trying, you learn from it and just be better the next time around, but be fearless. You know, be fearless and try your best to become the best version of you. Understand heartbreak is part of the game, part of the game of life, right? You're going to be heartbroken. Um, You know, a guy's going to break your heart. A girl's going to break your heart. Like, that's just, that's life. But get up and keep going forward. That's it.
1: Corey, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, man. Big city dreams, as they say in the classics. (laughs) You had them, but you also chased them. What a life you've had. What a life you're living. Love the passion. Love the exuberance. So, mate, congratulations on everything you've done, everything you're doing, and thanks again for sharing it with us.
0: Thanks for having me, man.
1: Here's Corey Homicide-Williams, and thank you for joining us also. You've been listening to This Is Your Journey for Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Oz. You can find them online, of course, tobinbrothers.com.au, and we'll catch you the next time we celebrate another great sporting journey.